1 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse number 8. Let us stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read a little bit of verses, so don't get angry at me, but it needs to be. Verse number 8. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient. For the ungodly and for the sinners, for un unholy and profane, for the murderers and the fathers of murderers and mothers of manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defileth themselves with mankind, for men stillers, for they liars, for perjured person, and if there be anything that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. I love that. Who was before a blasphemer and a, a persecutor and an injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Here it is. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I have attained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should be hereafter believe on him to to everlasting life. Let us pray. Father, we just ask you this morning, Lord, to touch hearts and lift us up and encourage us this morning. Lord, help us to be what we need to be. Lord, I pray that you speak to the souls this morning, to the hearts this morning. Lord, may, they, may something be said that, uh, that triggered them to know that Jesus is Jesus and he came to save that which is lost, Father. We'll praise you for what you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, that phrase, Paul uses that phrase four times in his writing. Twice in, in 1 Timothy, and once in 2 Timothy, and once in Titus. And this, this, this saying is not found anywhere else in the writings. Uh, he said, this is a faithful saying. You find that phrase written by the pen of Paul. This is a faithful saying. I like the word faithful in the text. It literally means you can rely on this. You can take this to the bank. What I'm about to say uh, is absolutely reliable information from the throne of God. What I'm about to say to you is totally trustworthy. And you can bank on it. You can, you, your life on it. And you can bank your eternity on what I'm about to tell you. When you're looking at his writing, sometimes he will say this is a faithful saying. Then he would give that faithful saying. And then other times he says uh, he would give us the faithful saying. Then, and then at the end of that he would say uh, this is a faithful saying. Paul's writing to this young preacher. Uh, a young preacher called Timothy. Paul, it was called uh, up under Paul's ministry. He said, Timothy, I'm going to give you a word of wisdom. That will never run out, that will never fade away. This word is wisdom, will be as good as long as you are preaching it. It will be good as for long as many people that you have preach. This is a trustworthy 
reliable, faithful saying. Now listen to me, there's a lot of voices in this world that tries to grab your ear. There are a whole lot of voices that of the devil and that of the flesh and that of the world uh, that wants to get into your ear and to give you a hard time. Uh, it's hard to distinguish between voices today, but can you trust you? You watch the news today and you, you turn on the radio or you're reading newspaper and every one of them's trying to uh, get to your head, trying to get you this vaccination to be vaccinated, not be vaccinated, masked up, not masked up, uh, uh, whether to listen to government or not listen to government. I can give the answer on that one right there. Well, it's trying to get into your head and tell you uh, what you need to be doing and what you need to be listening to. But let me just say this. You need to get a hold of the Word of God and just trust what God has said. It's not my opinion. It's not their opinion. It's what thus the Lord said. That's what we need to be doing this morning. We don't need to be worried about what they're doing. We need to be worried about what He's doing. Let's just go to what God said. Because we can trust what God said. When we can't trust the news, we can't trust the government, we can't trust the politicians, we can trust what God said. When you can't trust modern day preachers of the era in which we live in today, I'm glad to know that I can trust 100% of what God has said in His Word. It's forever settled. The grass may wither and the flowers may fade away, but the word of the Lord Jesus Christ stands forever. In a world that we're being pulled in every direction, I'm glad I can carve me a little piece of land out and stand there alone, and I can open up the blessed book of God and I can find direction. I can find discernment, and I can find a path for my life this morning. If you don't know which way you're going and which way you're heading this morning, I, I promise you if you're doing it on yourself, you're going in the wrong direction. I promise you if you listen to the world, you're going in the wrong direction. If you listen to the government, you're going in the wrong direction. But I promise you if you take the Word of God and apply it to your life and go in the direction that Jesus said to go in, you're heading in the right direction this morning. I'm so glad that I'm not running through my life on my own. I'm glad that I'm not trying to uh, uh, my best and, and not to fail. I'm trying to go through this life as I walk with the Lord. I'm trying to follow what He said this morning. I, I'm trying my best, but I mess up a lot. I'm trying my best, trying not to hear what they say or what they say or how they say it. But here in the text he said this faithful saying. The first faithful saying in this faithful saying is salvation. Salvation. The first faithful saying in Timothy 1.15 stands where God and fallen man relationship must begin again. If you're lost this morning, uh, if you know that you're not saved, if Jesus Christ is not your Savior, you have no relationship with God this morning. Listen to me, if you won't have the first First faithful saying here, then the second faithful saying, third faithful saying, fourth faithful saying, it's not going to do you one bit of good. You must have this one down pat in your life. You must be born again. 
I like this. Do you notice Paul tacks something at the end of this faithful saying? And, and he does it, only does it one time. Look at this faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation. What I'm about to tell you, Timothy, is not only a faithful and reliable, but everyone needs this. Everyone needs it. It's worthy for everyone accepting what I'm about to say to you. Paul could not get alone in 2021 today. What do you mean he couldn't? Because we've got preachers today that look all around at the, the uh, dimensions of the world and the, di uh, the dynamics of the world and they got their way to uh, make it to heaven. They got their way to get to heaven. It's our way or we're, we're not going to make it to heaven. Like there's some sort of Christian heaven, Buddha heaven, Muhammad heaven, atheist heaven. Not everybody's going to heaven. Paul could not get along today with these people today because Paul said this is good for everyone. Not just some, but this is good for everyone. White, black, rich, poor, Gentile, Muslim, Buddha, don't matter. He said uh, righteous or non-righteous. He said it doesn't matter. This is good for everyone to get a hold of. Everybody, everybody needs to get this. Get a hold of it. Uh, uh, he's fixing to say this morning. It is a faithful saying this morning that is worthy of all acceptation. It's worthy of everyone getting a hold of it. It's, uh, it's the word that uh, it, he said in verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. What is that? Christ Jesus came into this world Save sinners on whom I am chief. Amen. Listen, everybody needs to get it to you. Why? Because everybody here is a sinner. Amen. Ain't a lot of woohoo. Everybody here is a sinner this morning. You need to get this in your heart. You need to get it right this morning. If you're lost and undone, you are a sinner. Hey, let me tell you. He says, you can be saved. Everybody needs the person of salvation. The first thing he said about the, that's faithful and worthy of acceptation and leads off with Christ Jesus. He said, Christ Jesus came. God, when I could not get to where he was... He came to where I was this morning. Jesus said himself, the Son of Man has come uh, uh, to seek and save that which is lost. Uh, Palm Psalms uh, said, uh, uh, God looked down from heaven. Not only did he look down, but he also came down into this messed, rotten up condition that we have in this world. He came down and he laid his life down. Then he got up and went back up. Amen. Praise God there. Thank God he's coming back again. He is the person of salvation. We see the possibility of salvation here. Jesus Christ came into this world. The possibility is, is to save the sinners. You know what the possibility is? That every sinner can be saved today. God said, I, I, I not wishing that none should perish, but everyone come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Are you a sinner? I will tell you I am, but thank God, the grace of God. 
He made it possible that a sinner like me, he died upon the cross, shed his blood for a sinner like me. And I got it this morning. I understand it this morning. It is possible for everybody to be saved. You say, well, I don't think, I don't think uh, God can save everybody. That one right now is rotten. That nowhere is rotten. Look at chapter 2. Look at chapter 2. Verse number 4. He, he said, who? Who is who? God. It is God. In verse 3, he's talking about God. We'll have all men. Want everybody to be saved. To be saved and come to the, to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus and trust Him. In verse 6 it says, And who gave himself a ransom for all that be testified in due time. Not only there is the person of salvation, we see the possibility of salvation for everybody, this possibility. But also find that there's a personal salvation. Look at the next text. Jesus Christ came to save all sinners, of whom I am chief, he said. Paul said, of all of you in here, you're just little Indians. He said, you're just Indians. I'm the chief sinner. It's hard to be personal to me. I, I, I need it. I have a past that is wicked. Low down. Paul describes his past. He said, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an injurious. And, and, and that, that injurious means, it means he was prideful, hateful, mean. That's what Paul was. That's what a lot of us in here are. We got pride, we're hateful, we're mean, amen? He killed Christians. He hated Jesus. Paul said, salvation is personal to me. Because Jesus just didn't save a sinner, he saved me. He saved me. Galatians 2 and 20 said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I am tickled to death that he died for y'all. But I am extremely happy that he died for me. I, I'm so glad that he died for me this morning. I know what a rotten, dirty, scoundrel sinner I was. I know where I was going. And think that Jesus would die for me. Somebody like me is personal to me this morning. He didn't die for sinners. He died for you and I. It's a powerful salvation. I'm going to get to the message here in a minute. <laughs> I just like these little introductions. That's good. Amen. It's a powerful salvation. It, it, it charged Paul. It changed him. It's a, it's a pardoning salvation. He shows mercy on me. I want to deal with something on this faithful salvation this morning. I have people ask me, what do you mean to be saved? What do I need to be saved? What do I need to be saved from? I tell everybody you need to be saved from yourself. I don't have anybody threaten me. 
I have food, I have clothes, I have money, I have cars. I'm not in need of anything. But let me show you some things that salvation is good for. He said it's a faithful saying. It is worthy everybody getting it. He says what, is the, I'm selling, what I'm telling you is worthy that every one of you get a hold of this. And I'm praying this morning that every one of you get a hold of this because it's a faithful saying and it's worthy of all acceptation to every one of us that we know that we're saved, that we know that we're born again, that we know that we're going to heaven. This world ain't my home. I'm just passing through. I'm not sitting up camp here. My tent pegs ain't been drove in. I'm pulling them up. I'm heading down the road. I know I'm saved. I know I'm born again. I know I've got a place. There's a, a book in heaven that my name's recorded in and I am on my way I know I'm saved this morning what are you saved from what what's so marvelous about this salvation that you talk about what's so marvelous about it well let me give you some things it's my opinion my thought it may not be yours but it is certainly mine because it means something to me we need to be Saved from the sin that has doomed us. You need to be saved from the sin that has doomed those that enjoy their sins, the, the sins that you delight in today, that you live in today, you worship today. The sin is dooming you this morning. Let me just say this. You don't get up on Sunday morning and just because you come to church and say, I'm going to church, makes you a savior. Don't make you anything else. You can sit in the bars and get drunk on Sunday night, Saturday night, get up and come on church on Sunday morning, and you say, I'm saved. No, you're not. You're rejoicing in your sins this morning. You need to get a hold of sins that are dooming you this morning. And every one of our... Well, I just got a little bitty sin. I, I just got a little bitty sin. All sin. Big, small. You know, we need to stop putting labels on sin. Well, I'm not a murderer. I bet you are. Bible says you just think to kill somebody, you're a murderer. I don't lust after women. I don't run around. I don't drink. I don't steal. Amen. Your mind, I'm telling you what, if we can take and put a screen up here and let everybody come up here and just let us read your mind. Uh, uh, uh. I wouldn't get up there, I know that. I'd stay away from that thing. Run as fast as I can run. Bible said God commandeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passeth unto all men for all that have sinned and come short of the glory of God this morning. According to the scriptures, Christ died for all sinners. The old preachers used to preach sinner Repentance was necessary for salvation. You don't hear that kind of preaching no more. 
You don't need to repent of trust of the gospel. You just, you, just, you just come on to church. You need to repent of your sins and trust what God has done for you and just live your life according to what God wants you to do this morning. The sin that has doomed us. This is the kind of gospel we need today. It's just what preachers say. You got troubles in your life. You have burdens in your life. Do you have issues in life? Are you bankrupt? Do you have health problems? Come to Christ. He'll make your life better. That's not salvation, people. That's not salvation. You will not find nowhere in the King James Bible that says salvation is when you recognize that you are a sinner. And your sins has separated from the Almighty God. And you fall under that conviction of that sin, the weight of that sin on your life. And you repent of that sin. And I love that word repent. I don't know if y'all know that word repent means, but it doesn't mean continue to continue to continue doing it over and over and over. Repent means turn away from it. Amen. We talked about Sunday school last this morning. I, I'll pass, and we got regrets. But some people get up every morning and have regrets of last night because they're still doing the same things they've asked God to forgive them for. Amen? Yep. Well, Lord, I, 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 I drunk some liquor last night. Forgive me today. Boy, Lord, forgive you. But when you go back that same night and drink another glass of it, that's not repenting. That's called clearing your conscience. Amen. That just calls you clear. Oh, my conscience good. Just because you come to church on Sunday doesn't make you a saved person. Amen. Amen. I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I'm not a good preacher, and there's a lot of great ones out there. But I'm telling you, just because you come to church don't make you saved. You can profess it all you want to, but your life will show it. To, you'll produce the fruits that Jesus said you'll produce. He says, I, I am the vine. You're the branches. And if you're not producing the fruit that you need to produce, he said he'll cut you off. You need to get that salvation in your mind that this is a faithful saying that Christ came and died for you. Because we're all sinners. We're all sinners. The Bible said we have made people feel comfortable with salvation. Comfortable in their seats today. We'd patted people on the backs and said, you, you have prayer, this pray, this prayer. We said pray and you're saved. There's no repentance. There's no repentance. I, I, don't, I don't like preachers go up and say, now repeat after me. I don't like that. We have patted them on the back and sent them straight to hell because they repeat after me. There's nothing in the Bible this morning that will tell you what I, I have, was saved from. I was saved from sin that doomed me. I'm not held in bondage of sin anymore. 
I am not a servant of it anymore. I'm not walking down the path of it anymore. I'm on a new road, uh, heading in a new place. Uh, I got a new song. I'm telling you, I'm not doomed by the sins of my past anymore. When man feels the weight of his sins, he feels the guilt of his sins, and he tries to hide it, and he tries to drown it in the religion this morning. He masses the weight of the sin from the Holy Ghost, dealing with his heart, telling him, you repent of it. And he hides it by this pretense of religion. I'll join a church. I'll be a good person. That's not salvation. We, we try to hide it and mask the guilt of sin, and they will drown us at the bottom of the lake, and they drown their sorrows in a bottle of liquor. They'll drown themselves with pills and, and drugs, uh, and they're still trying to hide it and mask it. They get so high they don't even feel the pain and guilt of more sin anymore. They're hanging out with the wrong people, feeling good because those people, in the, you know what? If you hang out with the wrong people, they're going to make you feel good about what you do. You hang out with a bunch of drunks, they're going to make you feel good about being a drunk. Amen. I'm just telling you. If you hang out with the drug addicts, they're going to make you feel good about being a drug addict. Amen. What, 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 what does the Christian make you feel like when you hang out with them? I'm telling you what, if, you, if, you, if you're lost and undone, you got sin in your life, and you start hanging out with Christians, it's going to put some weight of guilt on your sin, on your soul. It, it'll make you, you're going to drop them as a friend, or you're going to get right with life and get right with God. It's one of two things. You can't... A, a Christian cannot hang out with a sinner expecting that sinner to be changed to what they are because nine times out of ten, that sinner will change a Christian. Be careful who you hang out with. I'm just telling you that. That one's for free. Amen. The weight of the sin is a burden down on me. It doesn't change the fact that sin is dooming you this morning because you come to church. You need to be saved from your sin. You say, preaching none of that stuff will take away the guilt or the weight of my sins. If you want to mask it, cover it up, you want something to really take away that is, you need to apply the blood of Jesus Christ to your life. That cleanses us from all sin. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ to wash away the sin this morning. I promise you this morning, the only thing God is looking for when He looks down and sees you, when He's going around looking at you, He's not looking for what you've done. He's not looking for what good you are. He's not looking at your talents. He's not looking if you can sing. He's not looking to see if you can preach. He's not looking to see how much money you got in the bank. He's not looking at your house. I promise you this morning, when God looks down at you this morning he's looking for the blood of his son this morning I promise you that this morning amen 
He's looking for the blood. He's looking for the blood this morning. <laughs> so old soldier in Philippines, John McCarthy, that got pulled out when Japan invaded the Philippines. He wound up getting captured in that baton march. Y'all know that one, don't you? Thousand people died in that march. He made it through. He lost weight. It's a rack of bones. And he was trying to get through, trying to get to the end there. And they, they, had, they had him in a cave. And they're getting ready to put him on a ship and take him to another place and to another camp. He done lost so much weight. He didn't look like the same. And they took him to the ship, and while he was on the ship, the, the Japanese got kind of wired up on Sakiaki, and he, he, he escaped through the portal hole and hit the water, and, and he swam to the shore, and he's wore out. True story, wore out, wore out. He lost all his clothes. He looked bad. And he was ducking and dodging, hiding from the Japanese. And all of a sudden he heard the, the rumbling of uh, uh, some uh, tanks. And he heard the talking of men. And it wasn't Japanese, it was American. And, and he ran out, and he ran out and said, Hey, hey! And they stopped and pulled the guns at him and said, Help! What's the password? Well, he didn't know what the password is. See, back in them times, Japanese would try to disguise themselves as Americans and infiltrate the Americans in that time. And he, he done lost all his clothes. He done lost all his weight. He was only about five foot six. So he, he realized to himself, he looked like a Japanese. He said, but I, I'm an American. I'm American. He said, halt or we will shoot you. He said, I'm American. I'm escaped. I, I'm American. They said, what's the password? He didn't know the password. And he didn't realize to himself, he said, I made it this far. I just might as well face the fact this is it for me. He said, you got 10 seconds to tell us the password or you're going to be shot. He said, hold up. And he, 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 he was a Christian, but when he got in the military, he started hanging out with the wrong people. They drug him away. And the whole time on that baton march, he started praying to God, Lord, God, help me. I, forgive me. I got hung up with the wrong people, hung up with the wrong people that were taking me around. Lord, forgive me. I, I want to be a servant of you. I want, to, I want to die for you. And as he was standing before them guards, and they got the weapons pointed at him, he says, I like to pray for my Savior one last time, if you don't mind. He fell to his knees. He said, Lord, if this is where it ends, I accept it. I loved you. I've served you. I repented. But I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. He was waiting for the sound of that gun. He said, come on in. You said the password. What's the password? The blood. I guarantee you when God loads up his gun and points it at you, he ain't looking at a good person. He's not looking for a good person. He's looking for the blood this morning. Amen. 
saved from the sin that doomed us this morning. Amen. Are you thankful that God saved you from the sin that doomed us? Well, that's what I think. That's what I praise Him for. Also, we need to be saved from Satan that's deceived us. The Bible said, God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believeth not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. There are those that are lost that have no have not accepted faith, not worthy, they have been deceived by the devil. I, I wish I could rip blinders off the eyes of these people I talk to because they don't realize that they're being deceived by the devil this morning. They're deceived by the person that holds them captive this morning. I, I was reading about this Stockholm Syndrome. Anybody ever heard about that? 1973, a man went into a bank, held four people at hostage, put a gun to their heads, and for hours and hours, and I think it was six, seven days, he held them four people at hostage. They didn't know whether they were going to die. They didn't know what was going to happen to them. They, they just knew this was going to be it. And this is in Sweden. And all of a sudden, the guy came and talked to him. And he laid his gun down. They took him and arrested him. Put him in prison. They're going to try him. All four of those people that he held captive said, we're not going to testify against him. We're not going to testify against him. They said, what? He held you captive for six, seven days. Uh, he put a gun to your head and he said, he's going to kill you. He was, going to, he was going to get rid of you. Why are not you going to testify against this man? The definition of Stockholm Syndrome is feeling of trust or affection felt in many cases of kidnapping or hostages taken by a victim toward a captive in fact one of the women of the hostages that was hostage, he took hostage, was such in a disposition toward this man that she got engaged to him while he was in jail. It's having that, uh, that sudden affection for those that have you in bind, those that have you in captive. I, I believe that's where the world is today. The devil has this world in captivity. The world, the devil has this world blinded today and they're feeling such affectionate towards the one that has them in captivity, they will not turn away from them. Engaged to the man that held her captive. Some people realize they have been deceived in a state of captivity. And sometimes it's too late. Sometimes it's at death. I, I read a story that the thief in England, great thief, stole a lot of diamonds and jewelry. And they couldn't find this guy. They looked all over for this guy. Come to find out he done hopped the ship over to 
the Americas. He was an American. And not only was he came over to America, he poses as a doctor. And he's, he, he's, a, he's a doctor all these people in the North, uh, North England states up there. He was a doctor, and people came to him, and they, and they said he was a great man, said all these great things. But when he died, they told him, says, he said, don't take my clothes off. Leave my clothes on. Don't take my clothes off. And when the undertaker says, well, that's just kind of odd. So the undertaker started taking his clothes off, and they realized something wrong here. Something ain't right here. This man was tattooed from here down to there. And he got to looking at him and says, wait a minute. And he realized that this was the man that England had been looking for for years and years and years that was posing as a doctor here. And he died. Some people will not realize they're in captivity until too late. To the Some people are not going to realize they're in captivity of this world by the devil until they open up their eyes in hell. I'm telling you. You, you need to take, break that change, make, break that affection you have to this world and the things of this world. Cut it loose uh, and don't hold on to it. Uh, let me tell you, there's nothing in this world that's going to be standing. There is nothing in this world that's going to be worth holding. On. Jesus said it's going to be burnt with fever and heat. There ain't nothing in this world worth dying and going to hell for. Well, you see them all day long grabbing the world. Grabbing the world. Holding on to the world. Save us from the sin that doomed us. Save us from Satan that deceived us. I need to be saved from the scorching that damned me. I, I, I know what I deserved. I, I deserve to go to hell. I do not deserve a mansion on the streets of gold this morning. I do not deserve to be a child of the living God this morning. If God gave me what I deserve, I would bust hell wide open. I would live out my eternity in the charred walls of hell this morning. The wages of sin is death. I have earned my wages this morning. But thank God this morning, I'm not going. Thank God I'm not heading that way. Listen to me. I have heard that terrible hell was I, the horror of hell was God thank you you don't have to go to hell this morning those precious souls that heard the gospel got saved we ought to take a time and shout out the name of God I am not going to hell I, I'm not going to hell hell ain't my home this morning I know how bad hell is. I know what is hating, waiting for those who have rejected Jesus Christ, those who turn their back on, those who says, I don't want to hear what you say. I don't want to care what you say. I don't believe that way. I know what's heading. For, I know what's awaiting for them. I know what it, it breaks my heart that people reject the gospel of Jesus Christ that wants to save them from the burning pits of hell. It breaks my heart. And I look at them, I beg and plead and say, hey, why don't you just give Jesus a try? This world ain't got nothing for you. A lot of people live in this world of drugs, sin, and alcohol and it ain't done nothing for them. But Jesus can clean you up. Jesus can heal you. 
Jesus is going to prepare a place for you. Hell ain't my home this morning. If I got what I deserve, hell would be my home. And can I say this? If you got what you deserve, well, you don't know me. I'm a pretty good person. I haven't really done nothing bad. You know, you know, you know the one thing that sends everybody to hell? The one thing. It's not drugs. It's not alcohol. It's not running the roads. That doesn't. There ain't but one thing that sends everybody to hell. Kind of looking at here. I got that right? Yeah, one thing. You know the one thing that sends you to hell? You reject the son of the living God. That's what sends you to hell. You reject him, hell will be your home. Let me tell you, there was a time in my life I rejected him. I didn't want to hear what they had to say. I didn't care about those Bible thumpers. I didn't care about them old time preachers. I didn't want to hear it. But there was a time that God got a hold of my life. I got down on the altar and I prayed, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, come into my life. And he said, I'll save you. And I thank God he came into my life and saved me. Hell ain't my home today. Where's your home at this morning? Where are you heading? Where are you going? Let's be honest. Paul says this is a faithful saying. Worthy of acceptation for all, I mean, every one of us. We need to know. You, you got to get this one down, Pat. And I can't go on to another. I started to preach all four of them on one Sunday. But that means you wouldn't have to come to church for three Sundays, and I figure half of y'all be backslidden by that time. <laughs> Amen, I'm telling you. But you, you got to get this first point, this first faithful saying in your life to be ready and set number two and three and four, because you've got to have salvation in your life this morning. And there cannot be a doubt. There better not be a doubt. Him that doubteth brings damnation to himself. Cannot be a doubt in your life that you're a child of God this morning. It's a faithful saying. Salvation is a faithful saying. Let's bow our heads.